Welcome to Podcast 19DX for the week ending May 1st. I'm Sean, that's Ray, and this week, Neo Geo Games. Okay. Yeah. Not really. No. Uh, yeah, no. this week, games, as always. So, uh, what I've been playing is uh, a list that continues to grow and get ever more layered, and I don't know where else to go with that, but... Uh, in the past week, I started and beat uh, Bayonetta at least once on the normal difficulty. Because you don't really beat that game, I guess, or it's not a game I guess you could say you beat. More or less, it's a game you play endlessly. Yeah. Uh, to that is very true. Mine all of the things that there are to mine in that game in terms of unlocking weapons and beating times and obtaining gold and... I guess from what you explained to to me before when you played through the game the first time is that beyond just the achievements there are achievements or challenges within the game itself that when you complete them unlock more things in the game that you can play around with or screw with or whatever. Yeah like there are entire aspects of the game which aren't uh, hinted at or, or discussed or rewarded via the achievements which is kind of cool and, and most interestingly is even after getting well, I've almost got a thousand, but pretty much I've completed that game. But even after getting all the achievement points, I uh, still want to come back to that game someday and and get those really hard to get things like the uh, the nunchucks, which require you to beat a hundred different levels. Oh my god! Um, or you know, I haven't played the yeah. Obviously, I haven't played the game in a long time. What is the shopkeeper's name? Oh, uh, Rodan. Yeah, and like you know, there's uh, a. <coughs> A way you can purchase a fight with him. Oh yeah, I heard about that. And, and then, then you'll get uh, you get like a weapon from him. Yeah, you get a set of golden rings that the like that can morph into any of the weapons that you pick up along the way. Yeah, I saw what I watched a YouTube video of that, and she was just like, I guess depending on which of the combos you initiate is depend it governs which uh, weapon spawns. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like she was twirling around that giant chainsaw that you break out. Yeah. Only on that one enemy type. Right. If you happen to do a torture attack on them. What's really cool is, uh, you know, I, I that's the sort of thing that I doubt many people who have even bought the game know exists within the game. And obviously even fewer people have gotten. Right. So it's kind of weird to me that such a cool uh, aspect of the game remains pretty much generally unknown by the people that play it. Well, what, Talk about it. That's right. what really bothers me. Right. What's strange to me, uh, before I get into like my specific opinions on the game itself, uh, what was weird? What's weird to me, just outwardly looking <coughs> in, uh, and especially having played the game now. So I guess it would be inwardly looking in. Uh, is things like that where it's like, uh, did the average person who happened to pick up Bayonetta, did they just sort of pick it up, figure it out, play it on one one of the several difficulties that they just happened to pick? Uh, did they just beat it and kind of call it a day and wonder why they had paid $60 for 
what really amounts to about eight hours of time, and half of that is actually playing the game. You know, the other half is these uh, overly long cutscenes. It just, I wonder, I wonder if people, the average gamer who doesn't listen to podcasts, who doesn't read websites very often, who doesn't get their gaming information past uh, magazines on the rack or like IGN, uh, do they think Bayonetta is a bad game because it's so short? No, I, I don't think so because, you know. Or did those luckily people just enough, not buy the game? No, I mean, luckily enough. Well, that's possible too, but I think luckily enough, maybe consciously, the designers put in enough crazy shit um, up front as far as... I mean, because compared to most games, compared to any game, actually, Bayonetta is like ridiculously over the top. So much so right. that uh, I think its over-the-topness masks a lot of its perceived uh, ineptitudes. You know, like, uh, sure. oh, this game isn't long enough, but... I don't think people who are casually playing the game notice that because, you know, they just ripped apart a giant monster with hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So I think well, I think a lot of people's desire for novelty is somewhat satiated by the craziness of the game. And, and you know, even even though the game's so short, uh, I think that it's so, like, visually packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably gives the impression of being longer or at least more, like, tiring than it is to most people. I, I will say that once I beat the game and uh, the first time, I mean, I haven't done it again, but I will. But uh, once I got through it the first time and I was really curious to see what my total save, my total time was, and it was like 10-something. Yeah. Um, because I ended up not skipping any of the cutscenes, and if I did, I probably skipped them when they were probably already 80% done and I just didn't feel like watching the the last 20% of obvious conclusion. You know, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. need to see what happened. But... Um, I was surprised it was only 10 hours because I felt like I had spent a lot more time. And I, I don't mean that really in a disparaging way. It just felt longer. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty packed visually. I think that's what does it. I think a lot of people, especially people who aren't gamers, right. must walk away from that. Uh, because, I mean, games, obviously, like they have the most brain food out of any medium. Sure. Uh, right now, and uh, people who aren't gamers, I think casual people who are playing that game are probably overloaded by the amount of stuff going on. Like, it's kind of like, the same goes for like a shmup. Uh, I don't even know if people who are watching that stuff really <laughs> understand what's going on, mm-hmm. or have the ability to perceive everything that's going on on screen. Kind of like if you make your parents watch you play a shmup. They just sort of think they understand what's going on, but right. there's like layers of information that they have they just lack the ability to perceive. Right. Yeah. The basic understanding of, like, you're the little ship at the bottom, and you're shooting all the other ships. Yeah, and then you see them walk away kind of shaking their head, like, <laughs> <laughs> and almost out of breath, like, <laughs> right. that was enough of that. I think Bayonetta probably did that to a lot of people. But um, it is it is Japan the game, and, uh, no, no, it's I, not. I don't really see, uh, yeah, having played through it in its entirety and seeing everything that that game has to see, or has to to show me. Uh, I don't think there's anything overly Japanese about it at all. I mean, and I I said it before when we talked about it a while ago, having watched uh, you play it for some time, and I I had my my hand at it for a little bit. But uh, seeing everything and sort of waiting for the the point where the game gets comfortable in its own skin and, and really shows itself to you, and you're like, here's where the weird Japanese stuff happens. Yeah. That moment never really comes. And, like, I th- I'm pretty sure one of us said uh, in that discussion that, if anything, it's it's a Japanese game, but it's 
it's a Japanese game by way of Western pop culture. Yeah. Just, there's references to either specific things in, in Western uh, pop culture or just sort of the overall tone of how scenes play out or the language that people use or, you know, or, yeah, like specific memes that she references like, uh, you know, the whole needs more cowbell thing, but she says needs more uh, demons or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 really... Uh, it's Which, just like a distorted reflection of our culture. Right. And I guess that the distortion is uh, can be accounted for by that, which is like lost in translation. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Which is also like we were talking about. Um, it might have been this game as well that we were talking about. We wondered what the Japanese, what the Japanese dialogue was like. Was it real? Heavy? Oh yeah. Was it heavily Japanese jokes? Yeah. Or was it the same thing? So is it? Do you know who did the translation for that game? I don't. You know, I think it was eight four. Really? Sure, actually. Uh, because I know they did the translation for Mad World. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know. I'm pretty sure. Uh, if it's them, man. Not to digress too far, but I was watching a lot of videos of Nier, and they're pretty well man, known for am- sort of getting it right. They're just amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, what a finger on the pulse of what translation should be right in games. I mean, I guess that's what you get when you grow up playing games and then getting upset at the lack of attention played or paid to the uh, translation. But yeah, they're just very good at what they do. So I, I w- it wouldn't having said that, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was really uh, not quite as American. Oh, in the Japanese, the Japanese version? Yeah, yeah, cuz they they like to from what I've experienced, you know, sort of install a lot of American memes and pop culture into the game's translation. Sure. Uh, so, beyond that, um, I'm not going to talk about anything related to the game in terms of um, its content in, in by way of, uh, you know, does Bayonetta objectify women? Is it overly sexual? Blah, 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 blah. Because they're, that, that's a boring topic. And the answer is, is either so plain or not even worth iterating that it's, I mean, it's not even worth covering. Um, I, anybody who complains about that sort of thing, I think, is more or less complaining about their inability to be comfortable with what the game is. So, that being said, uh, having played Bayonetta, I'm sort of coming to the realization that... Uh, maybe not a realization, but I'm coming to find out what kind of gamer I am more definitively. And uh, to that end specifically, I'm not the kind of gamer who enjoys a game like Bayonetta to the fullest extent that I know a lot of people have. And I don't know if that's just because I'm terrible at it, which I am. Do you really think you're that bad at the game? I'm not great at it. And I, I mean, and I'm not even using like the, uh, the, uh, the medals that you get at the end of every level every chapter. Right. I'm not I'm not using only those to gauge my performance because there have been times where I'll get like one silver and then all golds or platinums on every verse in a level and I still end up getting a stone because I took a lot of damage uh-huh. or I did it really slowly or I did one of a couple of things that just sort of offset that score. Um, but I can tell specifically the Alfheim challenges are sort of showing me like 
I don't have a grasp of this game's mechanics. Have you beaten all the Alfheims yet? No, not even close. I haven't even found them all. But I think I think I think you'll be able to. I mean, to to just. I'm not the best either, but I, I I like these kind of games more than you, I think. But I'm still not that great at them, but... My progression through that game was basically... My first time through, I, I was I was competent enough to beat it. And... My second time through, I... Actually decided to attack all the Alfheims. And right. It was only after playing all of them that I understood the game. Right, and you I feel I mean? like that's exactly what, they, what they're kind of meant to do is... Yeah. Uh, at some point, you play the game, and then you do these challenges, and you get real familiar with how to uh, best exploit the mechanics in the game, and uh, right. like specifically the the Alfheim challenges that want you to defeat enemies using only torture attacks. Uh huh. And since you can't use potions, you basically have to exploit uh, activating Witch Time and activating it quite a lot uh -huh. to charge up your magic meter in order to, to use your torture attacks. Right. And I'm just... Like, I understand what the game is putting before me. I understand what I'm supposed to do. But without going online and just sort of looking at the, you know, idiot's guide on how to do these, I'm trying to figure out how best to do those challenges mm -hmm. without just looking it up on YouTube or something. Right. And... I, I, I don't know. I guess I feel like... The game wants me to do certain things uh, more times than I'm really willing to put time into. Like, you know, you're not supposed to be able to complete the Alfheim challenge the first time you do it. You're probably not supposed to be able to do it the tenth time you do it on some of these. Uh-huh. And something interesting you said to me last week while we were not talking on the podcast, uh, we were discussing the games that I have a thousand out of a thousand on. Yeah. And you were saying that you couldn't believe I had gotten a thousand on Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. And to me that all that was was just a, was a large investment of time. Yeah. But right. it wasn't a large investment of time of doing something you can climb that technical and repetitive. Right. It was just repetitive period. And I guess I don't know, I haven't been able to really I've been thinking about it a lot and I haven't been able to really put it into words accurately yet, but I'm definitely of the type, or I'm turning into the type of gamer who... I, you grind. I am increasingly playing games less and less for their game mechanics, and more just to immerse myself in a world. Right, so you're becoming a Western gamer. Right, I suppose that would be it. Well, like, I, more so than... Like, I mean, I would say that, you know, since you played PC games when you were younger... And even do now, I guess. But you know, you were—you weren't necessarily a console or a PC gamer when you were younger. You were kind of both. Right. So, you know, consoles representing Western development and cons—or I'm sorry, consoles representing Eastern development and PCs representing Western. You've kind of grown up liking both. Sure. So maybe now you're just finding your well, own. Well, sort of talking or sort of having an internal dialogue with myself, saying, "God, Bayonet is really fucking hard to me." Like, really, like, it's really hard. I mean, you were saying that you hadn't used an item until the last boss on hard. Yeah. And there were sequences on normal that I just could not complete without the assistance of some of those, uh, like, invulnerability lollipops or the attack power-up. I've never even used the invulnerability yet. I had to. I There was no... I could not beat uh, Jean the last time you fight her in that city. 
Yeah. I just could not defeat it without, without using those. And hard, that fight is really hard. I can imagine. And on hard, I'm pr on hard. I'm having almost the exact experience as I did on normal because I have the advantage of having right. played the game through. Right. So I know what to expect. So the challenge is no longer the unknown. The challenge is getting the mechanics to work the way that I need them to, or mm -hmm. the way that I need to handle them. And looking at at at, at uh, Bayonetta and going, God, this game's really fucking hard, and I'm having a really hard time with it. And looking at a game like Bullet Witch and going, God, this game's really fucking hard, and I'm having a hard time with it. But when I play Bullet Witch and I come to a particularly difficult section of the game, there's something different about the experience of playing that game that I don't get as upset with myself or with the game when something doesn't go my way. And I have yet to figure out what that is. Wait, as compared to what? Bayonetta. So Bullet Witch compared to Bayonetta? Yeah. I would say, I mean, they're both really difficult games in their own way in terms of... You know, Bullet Witch is mostly difficult because the odds just get increasingly stacked against you. Or you could look at it as you get weaker on the harder difficulties. Um, boy, I mean, and I know superficially they're similar. You can't really. This is really getting into the nitty gritty of these games, and I want to kind of. So I, I apologize to anyone who hasn't played all of these games I'm about to reference because. <laughs> but I was thinking about kind of this, you know. To me, one of the distinctions between Japanese and, and Western games is that present like like each every successive difficulty level presents an entirely or requires an entirely new way of playing the game. Right. Um, like basically exploiting a new set of tools that you didn't, or not even tools like like Bullet Witch doesn't really give you anything new. Right. You just <laughs> no. have to relearn to play the game a different way. Like it's so difficult that right. you can't even approach the game in the same way. Yeah, so, I, yeah, so you have to be like, I have to learn a new way to play the game, as compared to the last. Yeah, game I don't level. mean tools necessarily as in-game items or things in the game, but just like, like you're saying, in Bullet Witch, there are scenes where you can approach it and basically just walk right through it. Yeah. And then once you get to hard difficulty levels, you're essentially re resorting to standing behind trees as cover. Yeah. And like having to pick off enemies one by one across the level. Right. Yeah, so, like it's just new tactics. It's a totally di yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a totally different way of playing the game. Like totally, yeah, exactly. It's a totally different way of playing the game. That was a mistake. Oh my and, god. And uh, oh my god. What's interesting to me is that Japanese games do this a lot, so that they really, those games to me are so much more rewarding and have so much more depth and replayability than mm -hmm. Western games. Right. Uh, it seems like Western games on their as they up the difficulty, all they do is uh, add more enemies or. Increase the enemy's firepower, or just up the odds, basically. Whereas a game like Bullet Witch requires you to relearn how you play the game. Right. At least that's how I view it. Yeah. No, you're not alone. Because in reading online, of like basically going to threads of people saying, "Why am I so terrible at this game?" And then people are essentially like, "You just have to relearn. You have to learn a whole new way to play." Right. With every difficulty. Yeah. Level. And that's and I mean I'm jumping ahead of myself, but. You know, I've been playing Resident Evil a lot lately, and that's how Resident Evil works. Mm -hmm. You know, your first time through, it's about, you know, experiencing the story, and the main thing that you struggle with, and it's not that much of a struggle, is aiming. Right. Okay? Right. Your second time or third time through, 
as you start unlocking infinite ammo for weapons and stuff, um, weapon management, as far as ammunition goes, isn't really that big of a deal, and neither is aiming, because the weapons that you eventually earn are, are powerful spread-wise enough that you can just blast away anyway. So right. the game sort of goes, well, we need to devise a new way to challenge the player now that they have infinite this and infinite that. Right. And then, you know, basically every successive time you play the game, you need to, like, re-strategize and, and develop an entirely new way to play that game. And that's what Bullet Witch is like. And, and Bayonetta, I think, is the same, but I think the reason maybe you don't like it so much is because you need to relearn how to play the game uh, what you really need to learn is how to be better. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you need to learn how to exploit the systems that were always there to a greater level. Right. And uh, you've already spent ten hours, like you said. More than now, because I've gone back and done several chapters on hard. So you've already spent all this time basically teaching yourself how to play the game. And, you know, now you're faced with the idea that you have to relearn how to play the game. I, I can understand how that's kind of, like, annoying in a way. Right. Unless I, you really like the game. And, and well, what I, was gonna say, what I was going to say is it's the only, the only concrete thing that I can come to a conclusion with in terms of why, why playing Bullet Witch on one of the hardest modes, spending 40 minutes on a boss, beating that boss, and essentially at the end of it like my hands are shaking because I was so stressed out that I was going to have to repeat the 40 minutes yeah which is an intense 40 minutes right um pull it which is Vietnam like you said why yeah, why that I, I want to say appeals to me why I have a better time swallowing that pill than I do with someone saying like look at look at this look at bullet witch on hard look how much harder this is like, I think just because it's grindy and I yeah, I, the only thing I can boil it down to is that Bullet Witch is far more complicated. Yeah, and there's way more things. You know, it's like you have to learn to replay the game, and it's like, for those of you who haven't played Bullet or played Bayonetta, it's like, do, do you have any idea how many different things that she's capable of doing in any given? And moment. it's like, which 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 set of ten do I use in this fight? Exactly. And which set of ten do I use in this fight? It's really I don't know, it's really strange. No, Bayonetta is like one of the one of the first examples this generation of a trend that I have noticed and am writing about that uh, Japanese are complexifying the amount of things you can do in a game. Right. To the extent that it's really, really, really starting to put a strain on a lot of gamers' brains. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not saying i I'm not saying some gamers are stupid, I'm saying that, you know, some don't want to be challenged that much and would rather just sort of experience like a guided tour through a reality which is a game right but uh people who are starting to for me i like it i, I don't under, i don't really know why i'm sure there's a chemical explanation for the feelings that i get in my brain when it comes to it but um i like that challenge uh that really really mental overclocking your brain right? that these games put you through. Whereas I really think most Western games challenges in how much time you want to invest in the game. You know, when you look at games like Modern Warfare 2 and Battlefield 2, you're spending 50, 300 hours getting to level 50. It's just not the same goal as getting really good at Bayonetta. You know, getting really no, good yeah, at Bayonetta is just a totally different 
thing than getting really good at Battlefield 2. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but So you don't really like that amount of... I think it's just because I probably haven't played a game like Bayonetta in a long time. Or 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 I'm ref I'm framing. You know when you play a game and you you come at it and you go okay, this game looks like these other games or this experience is like these other experiences. So I'm gonna draw on my experience in these other realms in order to better understand this one. Yeah. And you know on the surface and even a little bit into in a deeper a little bit, Bayonetta is a lot like Devil May Cry. Yeah, it's a lot like Devil May Cry. But uh, having not played the fourth one, I can't really comment. But I feel like you know, if you spent, if you gave it to someone who's reasonably competent at games, understands them, maybe isn't reading podcasts, isn't reading blogs, but they, you know, they play games, they understand. Mm-hmm. And you had them play Devil May Cry for a little bit, and you had them play Bayonetta for a little bit. You'd say, are these games similar? They'd go, they'd say yes, but are they the same? No, they're they're pretty wildly different. Mm-hmm. So going into into Bayonetta with that idea, and then basically being up against what you could frame what you could frame as a god, I don't know, like a three dimensional shmup almost, where it's mm-hmm. it's pattern recognition and it's dying multiple times to where you can get that one time where you don't, and you just like blow right through it, and you basically progress through the game like that the entire way. It's like I get this this set of obstacles down, these fights down. And then I move on to the next ones, and I die and die and die and die. But once I get it, it's not like it's not like you just get it and kind of squeak by. It's like you get it and basically get through the fight without being hit once. Hmm. And you say to yourself, "God, how did I screw this up so many times before? If it's so easy now?" At least that's my that's been my short experience. Yeah, it seems. Like, it sounds to me like that's how you play the game. Because like, is it you know the way you just described it? You included dying as almost a part of the game, and, and I didn't really die too much in that game. And that's what's weird to me. It's like that either I just don't have that... Either I haven't flexed that muscle enough in my brain, in my hand-eye coordination, you know, part of my brain. Well, it's just been a long time, man. What games have you recently 1,000? Like, think about it. And that's what what I'm saying. It's like, lately, it's like, what have I been playing? Well, I've been playing first-person shooters. I've been playing, you know, 3D Zelda-style action games as opposed to 3D Devil May Cry Twitch-style action games. Yeah. I've been playing Mass Effect. Been playing Assassin's Creed, you know. Yeah, they're all just a, grindy wears on time. They're not necessarily like uh, taxing on your uh, dexterity and and the interaction between your hands and eye, or and your I, mind and eye, and I just, mind and hands. And I, f- I feel, I don't know. I just feel, I feel kind of bad because I feel like I'm not appreciating the game on the level that it deserves to be. You know, because I have no problem with the content. I have no problem with the weird, quirky nature of the game. Like, I like everything about it like that. Like, all the weird shit that happens in the game. You know, when she... Well, uh, answer this really simply. Like, one of my favorite... Like, do you like fighting? Like, do you think the fighting is fun? Well, here's what's weird. Yes, but for me, for it's never... It's not usually fun right off the bat. It's like, there'll be a particular fight with some enemies, and it's like... Either I can basically exhaust all of my resources and barely get through the fight, and be like, "All right, I guess I did that." But now it's to the point where I'm sort of I'm realizing, like, you know, every time I go through a fight and I lose and I lose really bad and I die, 
usually the next time I come back, or at least the third time I come back, I blow right through it and I get like platinum metal on it because I never got touched because it's like you have that recency effect on your brain where it's mm-hmm. you're existing only in that two minutes mm-hmm. and it's like if I relive this two minutes enough, I'm gonna remember every single thing that happens in it, right? Like down to the millisecond. And when I when you get that one pass through where it's like I can't believe I just fucking pulled that off, and I did it that well. So it's like a shmup for you, in that way. That's how like, I'm I can't starting believe to. I made a run. That's how I'm it starting to that. approach it, as opposed to sort of being like, uh, how how could you phrase it in another way? Like really competent at the game. I mean, I'm not saying you're. Not, I'm just saying like someone who really understands. Right. It would almost yeah. It'd be like someone. It would be like a fighter. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the the closest thing that I could think about yeah, it too. Is like, exactly. it's like I'm not on the same level as a lot of fighters, but I can still appreciate the game. It's like if someone who plays fighting games all the time can pick one up, pick a new one up, and probably within a relatively short span of time be considered above average at the game. Right. Provided there are no really weird twists in the game for the sake of being weird twists. So then the difference between this game, then the difference is that you're playing the game. This isn't meant to sound insulting in any way, but like without really understanding the combat, the depth of the combat. No, so like not at all. I t- I'll admit it up and down. I totally just am not getting it. And I mean, like, like I don't it's understand. It's like looking at Virtua Fighter Five, and I'm right. like, this is never going to happen. Right. So you just have basically <laughs> like conceded to the fact that like you know, <laughs> I don't have the patience or like I don't want to devote this much of my brain to learning this system through, but I can still probably get through the game and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, you know, like the, you do a fighting game. The problem is, is that the the problem is, and this is all internal. This is nothing on the game at all. I mean, like I said, content-wise, in terms of what the game is doing, uh, what's in it, the the weird, quirky nature, and all the content, everything, and the you know, the constant reiteration of this the jazzy J-pop version of "Fly Me to the Moon," and right. all that kind of stuff. Totally fine, great, love it. It's awesome. I would play, I would play Bayonetta too if that was all the same stuff. I have right. no problem with that. But for me internally, for my own self, it's like I get so upset at either a perceived injustice from the game onto me, or just my anger at my inability to master the controls, yeah. master the mechanics. So like at the end of the game, I wasn't happy that I beat the game. I was happy that it was fucking over. And <laughs> okay. I was like, man, I finally, okay, I'm done. I finally got to the end of this. And but you like, started playing it again right away. I started playing it again right away because it was almost like, it's almost like, um, I don't know. It was like I, it was like breaking up with a girlfriend, and then all you do is like obsess about the fact that that she's gonna be with somebody else, kind of thing. You're like, so it's like, no, I can't. I gotta like immerse myself in this hatred because right, I right, can't right. let it win. That's funny. I don't know. It's like it's That's a, a weird, funny sick way of like. At it for sure. I, I I I don't know. It's weird. It's like I know people. Well, it's masochistic. There's, there's, yeah, there's like, there's, there's documentation of people who are in like relationships, and if one of the partners in the relationships cheats on the other, there's a high rate of the person who was cheated on mm-hmm. having like sexual fantasies of their partner being with somebody, because it's like they can't let go of that pain, so they like live in oh, it. Weird. You ever hear of this? I've never heard of it. I it's can't not- relate either, which is usually I can relate to a lot of dysfunctions I hear about, but this one. Uh, like it was really weird. Not so much. Like, I heard about that, and I kind of looked it up online, and I guess... I mean, it's not... know what it's called? It, if it is, I don't know what it is. But it's like a weird sort of... You're just reliving the pain... Sure. ...of that yeah. moment. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, either... 
for some reason, for some dysfunction in your brain. So it's almost the reason I started playing again. I was like, no, fuck this. I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to let this. Like, I'm going to do it hard now. Well, I do. It's the same thing. It's the same thing when you, like, break up with a girl. I'll beat myself even more. (laughs) Or, like, if you're in a relationship (laughs) with a girl and the relationship ended poorly and you have a specific song that reminds you of that girl. Sure. And that terrible situation. Sure. You'll, like, listen to that song. And the entire time, it, like, syncs you up with that emotional uh, level. Oh, my God. That level of, like, pain or sorrow or whatever. Yeah. But you still do it anyway. Sure. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm not <laughs> quite done with that emotion yet, so. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel, I should say I know. The, uh, like, it's so stupid. It's like you're framing this all in, the, in, like, the context of a relationship. But, like, if, if Bayonetta were a person and she were here, I'd be like, it's me, not you. <laughs> I know the problem lies right. with me. The problem does not lie with the game. Right. And that's... Uh, that's the great injustice to me. It's like I know I'm not appreciating this game on the level that most people seem to get. Well, I'm glad we dissected it that much because now <laughs> I understand why it got such mediocre reviews from Western reviewers who couldn't appreciate the game. See, because I mean, it, here's the deal: it got even by people who Arthur Keys. His review spoke well of the game. He gave it like an eight. Yeah. He, he was still on the low, but that was like the low end. Right. But he spoke of the game outside of that review in a way that if you hadn't read the review, you would assume he gave it a much lower score. Right. You know, he spoke of he spoke of it with a lot of derision. Yeah. And uh, that seems to have been going around a lot at that time, to the extent that I think a lot of the reviews for Bayonetta that were done by Western gamers, I really feel that this happens a lot that Western gamers who don't understand those kind of games give them good reviews because A, they see... They recognize that they can't understand right. the game. But they can't put that in the review. Right. They can't, but they're too like cocky or whatever to, to say, like, I don't understand this game fully. So they'll... Right, they put it on the game and not themselves. Right. That's what I'm trying to make clear. Exactly, that's not what I'm saying. Me, or it's not the game, it's me. It's my problem. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, it's good that we said this because, man, most people who review this game, I really feel, just do not get it, and they choose to blame the game for that which they do not get. Just the same reason I'm not going to go play a fighter and review it. Right, I consider right, it seriously yeah. because it won't be a now, competent I mean, review. If I had to give Bayonetta a number score out of 10, I'd give it a 9. Right. With and I would put the caveat in there of I don't understand this, this is game probably part. a ten for a lot of you who will understand this game. Yeah, it's a great game. It's really cool. I like the music. I like everything about it. Other than my inability to like mine its depths properly, and and objectively the game does have some weird little flaws. Sometimes the camera is a problem, and sometimes there's just issues I have with some of the battle setups where it's like it'll it'll take you out of a cutscene into a fight. Mm-hmm. And when the fight starts, the enemies are like already coming at you. Sure, yeah. And you're just like, fuck! Like, right. I didn't even have a, a chance to react. I would ding it a point for that. That's about it, though. Maybe, but honestly, compared to most 3D games, especially 3D action games, like having played Devil May Cry 4 and Ninja Gaiden 2, which were like this game's direct predecessors, sure. man, this game is literally... I mean, it's it's perfect compared to those games. Like Devil May Cry 4 and Ninja Gaiden especially, whose camera system is like... I don't know. It looks it it's it's like a mistake. Well, like reading you know reading some of these threads about, uh, like I'm going after I'm trying to do some of the achievement cleanups on like finding the notes and doing the challenges and 
finding all the, the LP pieces and stuff. Uh, you read some of these threads about people are still playing this game who started playing it in January when it came out. And they're like, yeah, I've, I've, I've platinumed easy, I platinum normal, I platinumed hard, and I'm working on Infinite Climax Platinum. And it's like, Jesus, why? I ha I <laughs> One, it's like, Jesus, why? But two, it's like, man, that like, reading this says to me like god this game must just be infinitely deep and yeah like if you want if you want to go there you can do that and like find out how best to exploit it's it's like labyrinthine yeah web of mechanics to get platinums on every single verse yeah every verse you can possibly be in in the chapter because some of them you skip a lot of music right Right. So, like, outside, out, you know, looking at it from the way other people play it, it's like, God, this game must just be huge to some people. And I understand that. And I feel, I'm like, fuck, I wish I could be there, but I just can't. I would still be playing that game. For if, sure. Yeah, if there weren't other games. If I there weren't other things that took up your time. Like, I remember when I quit, like, midway through Infinite Climax mode, it was just because there were other games to play. And, uh... You know, I always want to come back to the game, but it's it's kind of weird. I, I I don't even at times I don't even want to put it. It's it. This is really strange because when I talk about the game to people, like you or people online who I know, they're uh, you know, I talk about the game saying like this is really one of the best games I've ever played, and it will always be one of the best games I ever played. I don't even want to put it back in my Xbox because I won't be able to take it out. <laughs> That's seriously like I I have I put it in its box and like put it in storage <laughs> so that I don't even have access to it because if yeah. if it's out like just hanging around, I'll literally yeah. play it like infinitely. I'll just keep playing it. I don't understand what it is. It's just like perfect design, man. What's I weird? can't speak highly enough. Of the See, game. what's weird to me is it's if uh, God, it, it's going back to we had the discussion the week that the the game came out, and you had Bayonetta and I had Darksiders, and we sort of did a back and forth of how are, what are, we did basically like these games on the surface are basically the same, but like past five minutes of playing it, they're not remotely the same. Yeah. And one is like total Western and one is total Eastern. Yeah. Uh, in terms of their design philosophies. Looking back on it, did I have a better time playing Darksiders or Bayonetta? Darksiders. Would I rate Darksiders better than Bayonetta on a 1 to 10? No. That's weird. And that, that conundrum has been like, how's that possible? Right. I don't how know how I that have is a better possible, time but with it makes a game sense. that would be an 8 out of 10 than I did with a game that would be 9 out of 10. That's like Bullet Witch versus but a I lot think, of games. But I think the problem is is that, like you were saying, most reviewers most say something like that. Yeah. It's like, I rated this a 9, I rated this an 8, so clearly I like the 9 better. Right, right, right. But I think if they were honest with themselves, they'd go, you know, I had a better time with that game that I rated lower. Right. But I was being honest and saying, objectively, this game has a lot of fucking problems. Most definitely. Like EDF. That game has or a Bullet lot of Witch, fucking yeah. problems. Exactly. Or Bullet Witch. Or Viking. Right. Or <laughs> like, you know, weird things. I don't know. That's a it's just a weird. I'm I'm really interested to see what kinds of hopefully intelligent discussion comes out of game of the year discussions for this year. Man. Because there are so <laughs> many different. It's like, is it Mass Effect? Do we reward the Western RPG epic? Do we reward the hardcore Eastern action platformer Bay Bayonetta? No. Do we reward no. uh, Heavy Rain? The weird no. dramatic. You know. I'm just but like I hope no. people sort of like have that discussion of like. It's weird, man. How many games have come out in this first quarter that are already like Game of the Year? That are that are like like they could be contenders for Game of the Year, but then there's that Game of the Year curse where like nothing within the first couple months gets recognized. I think, yeah, but I think things are so big this year. I mean, if it, if it, I could see Bayonetta basically getting fucked over though. Oh yeah, 
Because it's going to be like, oh yeah, that because game. when it comes to the point where the people are discussing it and it gets down to the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. there's a lot to like. <laughs> the discussion comes down to like poking fun at games. It's sort of unfair. It's almost like you should have a discussion at June about January to June. Now record it and then listen to it again right. at the end of the year because what's at the end of this year? I can't even think. There's Fallout. Really, is the Fallout New Vegas is going to be out this year. Probably going to be a pretty big... But here's the, the thing with Fallout is I don't think people are going to have enough time to play it to accurately judge it. You know what I mean? I'm not sure I'm going to play it. Not to jump randomly off topic, but looking at some of the screens they just put out, that game looks fucking ugly. Does it really? I haven't even seen it. doesn't look at, like it looks in some ways uglier than 3, and 3 is not it? a very pretty game. Same no, it's, Bethesda's publishing it, but Obsidian... Um, the original makers? Obsidian who did... Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic 2, and they are made up of some of the staff members from Black Isle who did the first two. Right. I want to see the screenshots. I've never even seen them yet. It doesn't look great, but not to get too far off topic. But yeah, you, you'll you'll speak about a game you just played way more highly than a game that you played eight months ago. Sure. Even if you loved it then. Your memories will be fuzzy because you haven't played it recently. Things will not ha- novel. Things will have happened in the interim that have changed your perspective of what makes a game good. Yeah. And perhaps, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, do you judge it? Do you judge Bayonetta based on what comes out after it, or it's what was novelty. out before it? It's just novelty. This is why I yeah. guess games of the year, game of the year discussion doesn't make any sense. It's like, hey, here's an arbitrary twelve month period. So right. many things have happened in that twelve month period right. to discredit any discussion we have about it. Let's decide a game of the right. year. Right. It's like all this, all this stuff about Bad Company too. Everyone's like. This game's really fucking good. And in some cases, Apparently. people are like, this game's better than Modern Warfare. I think it is. Some people have said that. What will they say after Reach is out? They'll be like, Battle what? Uh, Halo. Wins. It's Halo. You know, it'll just be like, this yeah. bomb that just pushes everything out of the way. Yeah. For any, like, dis- it's like, no, Reach. Of course. Of course it's Reach. My yeah. brain has no capacity to even remember anything other than Reach in right. the first person genre, you know. So that's sad. But anyway... Bayonetta. Conflicted. Good game, though. Everyone should play it. Go buy it, for fuck's sake. I know someone who has this game that hasn't even played it yet. That's the other thing. I was actually shocked that I hadn't played it yet. I was like, I can't right. believe I, I like, sat out on this experience for so long. If you remember... I'm glad I played it. those who've been listening to the podcast, I've been <laughs> saying, play this game. I can't believe you haven't played this yet. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, it's so good. Like, just staring at it, I'm just like, ah, oh, man, I'm so conflicted about... I too am staring at the box. What to say about it? <laughs> uh, I seriously—that's pretty much been my whole week. It's Bayonetta. Really? Um, then I can. I talk played about some Afterburner. Played some more Afterburner again, uh, just because it's fun. Played some Omega Five. I don't. I can't really the Bullet Witch, but I mean, that game continues to be. Nom. That's a Vietnam <laughs> video game. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, you agree with me a whole I just, yeah. like, the feeling you get, you're like, I really have to go back into this? Like, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. For one point? <laughs> now I'm 1975. That intro, man, it, it speaks to Bullet Witch so much. Do I'm looking I really at what else? have to go back to that hell again? <sighs> I just scream running into it. Um, I, I guess I could talk about Viking. I mean, I put, like, two hours into it now sitting here. Let oh. me talk about Resident Evil Five. Go, go ahead. Yeah, you can Maybe I should whether. wait. Till, you know what? I'm gonna wait to talk about Viking next week because I'm gonna play Near this week, and I'm gonna really kind of like talk about them both. 
because they seem like they could be kind of weirdly yeah. similar. You can't do that. Why? Viking needs to be talked to. Literally, like I'm considering <laughs> making. Viking. Or, or I'm uh, considering making Viking its own podcast. Well, then maybe not even on this podcast. I mean, like VikingPodcast.com. Like, like, this week in Viking, <laughs> like <laughs> it's like, such a good game, and so well, then maybe we well, should just wait till I finish it and then just talk about it in its entirety. Maybe. Well, I was playing Resident Evil Five this week. Yeah, that's a good game. Again, still. Yeah, always. I just I'm, I'm cleaning up the achievements, and so this is the first time I've ever played it cooperatively, uh, whether that be split screen or on the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, it is just a totally different game cooperatively. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily a better experience. It's a better game. <laughs> yeah. But it's not necessarily a better experience. Uh, I would definitely recommend. I would definitely say play through the game by yourself first. Really? And then play through it cooperatively. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, like I said earlier, something that I realized while playing that game is it is Japanese in that successive difficulty levels mm-hmm. force you to basically develop entirely new ways of playing the game. Not just strategies, but an entirely new way of looking at the game and approaching the game. Uh, you know, what the game really turns into, and this is what I, this is why I was likening it to Earth Defense Force so much. Because what that game really turns into when you play cooperatively on the hardest difficulty level yeah. is a game that's all about line of sight and strategy. Because one hit is death. Oh, jeez. So you don't really even want to get near the enemy. Right. Uh, you just basically want to avoid them 100%. So basically you are kind of approaching the game as you would in real life. You and your friend find a corner that has absolutely no way of... Uh, that has basically no other than those you can see. Right. And you basically just control different lines of sight as you move room to room or arena to arena and destroy everything that comes at you. Okay. And you know, in the first the first time through the game on like the single player mode on normal, a room that had one or two zombies mm-hmm. will have, you know, nine or ten on professional. Oh Jesus. So a room that has 9 or 10 zombies will have like 50 or so. Uh, that's another reason that I think that the game reminds me a lot of Earth Defense Force is because it turns a lot more into a horde of zombies as opposed to, you know, like a few zombies coming at you that are kind of frightening. Right. Not only is there, uh, not only are their attacks more powerful, and so they're more scary, but the way they approach you, the sheer number makes sure. the game a lot scarier. Do you have to end up utilizing... Um, are the are the weapons in the game... I guess I should ask this first. Are the weapons in the game more just... what They're just more powerful versions of other weapons? Or do they all kind of have their own unique sort of... Uh, well, no, yeah, place? it's like, it's like uh, pistols. Yeah. Machine guns. Rifles. Shotguns. Okay. And then there's like a rocket launcher and a longbow and a couple weird ones, but... Those are the ones that you want to play with, you know. Shotgun, right. short, spread. Machine gun, long. Good for like the firefight type sections where you're taking cover, which is a weird aspect of the game that I'm <laughs> sure you heard about. Yeah. Um, sniping from the rifle, that sort of thing. Um. But yeah, like I said earlier, another thing that's interesting to me is that now that I've unlocked unlimited ammo on a few guns. Hmm. Uh. Doesn't sound like that helps as much as you think it would, though. No, it 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 would were I playing on a on a, a lesser difficulty. That's right. The point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's basically like 
It's like Earth Defense Force. To be playing level 53, you better have the Lysander Z. Right, yeah, it's like you, you know, you tell people Earth Defense Force. It's so hard, but you have infinite ammo. Oh, you're like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't really do anything. You better have infinite <laughs> yeah. ammo. And you better know what you're doing, too. Right. Um, so, yeah, that game's really good. It's it's very, very, very hard and trying and, and frustrating. And I mean, there are there were plenty of times playing through that on professional difficulty where I was very close to throwing my controller. And I've... It's funny because as I was playing, I was talking about the fact that I have yet to be the kind of person that, like, throws or wants to throw my controller. Yeah. And within the hour, that game made me want to throw my controller several times. <laughs> Bayonetta got me to do it once. Once. Really That's why I really wonder if you like Resident Evil. I really wish we could play it so you could try it and see if you like it. That'd be great. Unfortunately, reality broke down. <laughs> and prevented us from playing it just now. Um, so that game is really good. I, my opinion on the game itself hasn't changed. I still think it's a fucking amazing game. And it's got its problems, and they're all—they're all—they all have to do with the uh, Japanese approach to the menus and <laughs> in the actual front-end design of the game. Yeah, it seems a little layered. Yeah, it's it's, it's like going through a menu into a menu into, into a, menu. a menu into yeah. a menu. Yeah, it speaks nothing, and, and that's most likely why there's a glitch involved with those menu systems because. There are so many and they're so layered. I doubt even the testers figured out how to figure or figured out how to test them all. Right. Which is probably why the egg list or egg glitch exists. But uh, it's a good game, and uh, I really would like to see you play it, but I won't play it with you again. Right. Once I get these. That's what you're saying. It's just too much. It's too much. And um, you know, I think that's pretty much all I've been playing. We can talk about Viking. Could I don't know if I want to now though. You see, I mean I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it, having played it for I'll probably put maybe two hours into it now, just having sat here and played it. Uh, but you talk about it with such a uh, a reverence or, or such a like the, the tone of your voice is like man I can't I can't believe that I can't go back and like redo that game from the beginning. Not in like not play it again because you always could, but I guess there's just like. There must be some kind of experience awaiting me in this game. Yeah, well, it's like, kind of like... I want to curse other people with playing it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know, issues it's, and like weird things. It's such a long game in a slog way. Right. That uh, it reminds me a lot of like Final Fantasy VII. You know how like difficult it is to get someone to play Final Fantasy VII who's never played it before? You're like, you know, you really should play Final Fantasy VII. But it looks shitty. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah, some yeah, moments yeah, yeah. that you're going to see in this game that are going to make you go, wow, games are pretty interesting. I don't think this game looks that bad. I mean, I know you're not comparing the graphics-wise. No, it's just the same thing. It's to the point where like, I had to basically buy the game and be like, here, play this game. And like after playing it for a little bit, you're invested enough where it's like, you're interested and you want to do it. Yeah, see, now, I I'll probably even, I don't want to say like it more. I might appreciate this game more than you because this game basically plays like an MMO. It's basically just MMO by yeah. myself. And that's the whole reason I spent over 100 hours playing Oblivion. But see, those are the kind of games I like the most. MMOs <laughs> that aren't online. Which that's is why, why I, I like can't believe you've, so you've never played Oblivion. I know why you haven't, but... Yeah, that has to do more with mechanics ever, yeah, of the game yeah, than anything sure. else. Same with Fallout 3. Uh, Fallout Definitely. 3 is the same kind of thing. that I, I it's They're both games that it, were I to get invested them, in them enough. 
like a couple hours, right. I would get addicted beyond. If Fallout 3 would let you play it far enough to, to or, do that, that would or be if Fallout too. 3 would read in my Xbox 360, yes. That would be good. So uh, oh, Vikings is a good game. If anyone's interested, you should purchase the game. I like it a lot. I mean, I'm going to continue playing it. It's twelve dollars. I'm definitely going to continue playing. I can't see any reason uh, to stop playing it yet. I mean, and I could, it's only going to get more interesting as it goes. I hope. I assume. It has that weird. We never really talked about it because I don't think we've ever really talked about a fantasy setting game on here. I can't immediately recall right now. I don't think so either. This and and. Gosh, I can't remember now. I don't really. I'm trying to think of like what's come out since we started doing the podcast. I can't think of anything like a fantasy setting like this or uh, a medieval fantasy or whatever. But uh, so you wouldn't really know this about me. But I really like. There's something really about, like willowish. Yes, this dark, lonely type of fantasy setting. Yeah. Where things are just really fucking like even. Even playing it right now, I just freed a bunch of men, and this quarry lit up with the sun, and it still looks like hell. Right. Like everything's still brown and like terrible looking, and just yeah. Not to these get these men don't even walk with like a sense of like pride. They're just like I can't believe I have this existence. Not to get too abstract, but I I totally agree with you, and the reason that I I've recognized it before, and, and the reason that I. Uh, discover that I feel this way about these kind of games is that, like, I don't know, I, I seem to resonate more with, like, the Earth. Like, if you were to resonate with an element, mm -hmm. I seem to resonate more with the Earth. Okay. So, like, the easiest way to explain it is grass and stone. Sure. I like those colors. Sure. I like yeah. places that have grass and stone. Sure. I just resonate well with that uh, seeing archetype. The, seeing, that... like, browns and bright greens. Sure. Yeah. And, I mean, I know there are people like my girlfriend. She resonates really deeply with the sea. Okay. You know, and she just loves fish and blue, and that's just that's just what she goes with. Sure. And, I mean, that's why, for me, uh, why this medieval fantasy type stuff has always appealed to me. Especially, like, Icelandic Viking shit, because, really, it's just, like, ruined tundra. Right. And, like... <laughs> Terrible man. <laughs> yeah, just that is that like burly like I don't know. I, I yeah. I guess it's hard to explain. It's just a people. Feeling. I mean, you know what it is. It's just I guess you don't have the right adjectives to describe it. But like, just everything looks like it's covered in what like it's soaked with water or dirt, and like the metal looks like angrily like hewn together. It's like hammered and yeah. I don't know what it is. It, there's just that weird sort of like lonely. lonely. It's just, like, empty. It's like a weird sense of, like, empty. It's like you were saying, it's almost like Halo, where sure. it's like the, the 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 solitary nature of the hero and the fact that I'm assuming he never speaks in the game other than, like, the cutscenes where right. he's yelling. And, like, like you were saying, the just the weird layout of the map and the way the land sort of, like, no, that that is Everything, really interesting. It's just like you've, you come across those weird corners, and you're like, "There's nothing particularly special in this corner." But it's developed, but, or it's I like really like it. Yeah, what's the word? It is. Uh, it's realized, right? So fully, like this world is really realized to me. I guess that's the best way to explain it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's really good. Next week we will probably. It doesn't look all that uh, contrived. I guess is what you would say. Sure. Like it looks realistic. It's just sort of a miniaturized version of what the world probably actually looked like. 
during this era of history. Like, right. That beach like a board can't game wouldn't version. be that close yeah, like to this giant temple. Right, yes. right. But for all... Oh, Jesus. For all <laughs> intents and purposes, uh, that's what it looks like. So, yeah, I have a feeling I'll be... I'll probably have weird stories of this game where it's like, I found this corner, and I don't know what happened to right. it, but... More, no, more on this game next week, because I <laughs> I will spend the next week recalling all the interesting things that happened <laughs> in this game, and, and I remember very distinctly this game has been, like, bookmarked in my brain as, like, the pinnacle of a lot of aspects of game design. And, yeah, next week we will delve into that for sure. It's really weird. I need to look up. I want to look it up. I want to make sure I look it up before next week to find out uh, when this game came out, because I want to say it was 2007, and find out more about its history, because there are a lot of weird things in this game to where it's almost like you could say, oh, it's part of this and part of this and part of that, but given the history of their release order, you'd say, no, like, this was in Viking years ago. Hmm. Like, Darksiders... They're saying it's got a weird Darksiders thing. It's got a weird Batman. Kind of a weird Batman thing with the with the combat. The the climbing mechanic is like a, a, a Assassin's Creed light. Yeah, it's intuitive enough that you don't really he have to like, struggle he, with he everything. He kind of has a free run, but he doesn't. It's just that he sort of... I don't know, you can just move him from one piece to the next and he moves, he moves naturally instead of like animation jerks. Right. Like, now I'm on this surface and now I'm on this surface. It's like he right. just sort of climbs like a natural person. But Anyone listening to this podcast... turned it into the Viking podcast already. No, but anyone who anyone who listens to this podcast and, and, and appreciates design uh, maybe more so than any other aspect of games, I think that's why both of us feel this game is so interesting. Because it chooses so many weird design things to, yeah. to go with. Uh, and you should really buy this game. It's and oddly enough, for a game that... I don't good. remember... It was probably a $60 release, I'm it guessing. It was, yeah. For one of those games where it's like... Uh, 60 quickly to 30. 60, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. it. This game goes into my brain. Not that I've played it, but it goes into my brain with games like Sacred 2. Sure. Where it's like, remember that game? You're like, barely. Remember I remember game, it exists. $30 now. I remember it exists. Uh, for a game that's in that sort of weird tier where it's like it didn't hardly get any advertising. It probably didn't review very well, I'm guessing. Uh, I could see this game getting fives and sixes and sevens and really being like, I don't understand why. Uh, it's not ugly in any way. Like the HUD isn't ugly. The the life bar little th the dragon like that's not ugly. These menus are not ugly at all. It's, it's usually with a game of that level comes with like terrible looking menus. Right, like, right, 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 right. Things that are like afterthoughts where it's like just whatever. Right. You know. No, I think the I think the reason this game looks so complete is because it was, if I remember right, and I could be wrong, the production time on this game was really long. Was it? Like I think that I people were like sure. talking about this game for a really long time, and it was so long between start of development to publishing time that I think that's where it got most of its negative uh, reviews from. Was like if if it took this long, why is it this bad? Yeah, you know any game that incubates this long in development. Too human. Too human. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, that's really good. It sort of like grows a mold on it. Right. That's like, uh, that game really. It was three years old. Either it's gonna come out and be Jesus Christ the game, or I'm not right. really gonna be that interested in it. Yeah. And I really, if I remember correctly, and another thing is Creative Assembly, the people behind it, I think were known for something else before this, and. 
Yeah. Human in that way. If a lot. you played two human, or if you showed somebody two human and they're like, "What is this mess?" and you're like, "Well, they did it in two years," you'd be like, "Okay." But it's like right. this took a decade. Like this took a decade. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> to make it's 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 a similar situation with this game if I remember correctly. But so, I'll have this. Um, and maybe near. I'm gonna play near, but I don't know if I'll talk about it next week if we do mostly Viking. And I might have a minimum to say on Raiden Fighters Aces. I don't know what you could really talk about that game other than you shoot bullets. You shoot bullets, and um, it's probably one of the best packages of games I've ever seen. Right, and it's nineteen dollars or seventy if you want to import it. Right, but in terms of like. Taking Japanese. taking a series or taking uh, purposely designing a, a a box copy of multiple games. Oh yeah, and it's like like we were talking about Final Fight. It's like what do you do to incentivize someone to purchase it? And it's like well, throw a whole bunch of random shit in there. Like right. you can there's like twelve different screen modes. Right, you'll never use them all, but the fact that it's in there, you're like all right. At least they were throwing some just weird shit in for me to mess around with. Yeah, until the recent cave ports, it was like the most complete port of any shmup or series of shmups in terms of how much stuff it added. Oh yeah, sure. Like in terms of the screen rotation yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty much that's really interesting. So uh that's it for games that we played. Alright, now in Sonic, I like this game because this is a Rock'em Sock'em adventure game. Sonic the Hedgehog is the fastest critter in the land, and you have to help him rescue his friends from the evil Dr. Robonik. Which way now? Right. Like he's going to the right. Oh, he can't go to the right. So this past week, one of the more interesting things to uh, hit the gaming world is that Bungie has decided to sign on uh, with Activision for a 10-year deal to, from the way it's worded, is to publish one new IP, I guess with this, I, I wasn't, it's not clearly stated and I guess no one's really thought to ask, but like, what I was curious to know is, does that open them up to publish other games in different IPs, not under Activision? I wasn't. I wasn't really clear if like they're only going to work on one new IP, and that one new IP will be only for Activision. For Activision. Um, Not that that's a big deal. But I don't know. I think it was. It, uh, it, it does change the nature of the of the, of the deal. The yeah, a little bit. If it's not, if it's not, if that's not true, or if it's not explicitly stated, I think it's implied in the way it's been, in the way that news has been delivered, especially. Um, when you read the interviews with Bungie staff who like clear up the details on the uh, deal more mm -hmm. uh, I think it's implied that they're just going to be hanging out under Activision kind of exclusively 
Yeah, and it, it, may, it even if it's not explicitly stated, I would be surprised, um, given Bungie's track record of how they release their games. Sure, and like how they develop. I, I can't imagine they'd be maintaining more than one IP anyway. So I, I we, even if they, <clears throat> even if that was like a loophole that they could get out of publishing some games under Activision, I don't think that they have the uh, the necessary staff or the willingness to do it anyway. But uh, what do you think about it? So that news when I saw it was just one of those news uh, events that uh, you sort of try and find as many people as you know who would understand it. Right. So you could send it to them. <laughs> because you, uh, in a way, can't even believe what you're reading. And you right. just want to share that disbelief. Um, but then, you know, after a few days of thinking about it, um, I slowly came to grips with it and... and more specifically, I sort of like understood it, yeah. and uh, it's one of those news items that uh, when it first comes around, you can't believe it, and afterwards, you it doesn't just make sense, but it seems to have almost been inevitable. Like, if you think about the situations that both of those companies were in, mm-hmm. and what Bungie excelled at, and what Activision needed, and what they just lost, right? it, it only makes sense to me that they would have acquired Bungie. I guess I just didn't uh, think it was possible fiscally, so I never really. It was I, never like in my uh, in the realm of possibility in my I, brain. I think it's because it was one of those things where even though they weren't anymore, it's like Bungie was such a uh, Microsoft entity. Yeah, that's another reason. Yeah. Even though they 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 haven't been for quite some time, that that's why in particular it's sort of uh, surprising. Reality camouflage. <laughs> that's all it is. I um, I mean, I guess I, I was only shocked because it was like, I don't know. It seems like one of those things where you, you part of you wants to be like, you know, did you not just see what happened? Like, if you're asking Bungie, it's like, were you, have you not read any news for the last <laughs> two months as right. to what's happened with Activision? But at the same time, it's like you can't, you're running a company, your company's goal is to make money. And it's like, you can't be concerned about the actions of people who aren't in your company. Sure. And making them indicative of, of certain things. Right. So I don't... I don't blame Bungie. There's not, I mean, it's, it's stupid to blame. I mean, they're going to make tons of money. And what else are they around for other than to make money? Right. You know, games are just what they do to make money. Um, so, I mean, I don't blame them. They're going to make a, a crap load of money on it. What's weird to me is that... Uh, a lot of people. What's weird to me is actually the reaction that it's getting, and that a lot of people seem to be seem to think like Activision must have somehow done trickery, like tricked them into the deal or something. Yeah. But it's like you know, you look at this. Activision loses Infinity Ward. Who knows really why? What happened? It doesn't matter. Right. But Bungie gets the exact deal that the two guys from Infinity Ward wanted for Infinity Ward. Like they right. get the exact deal. They get to create their own IP. They get to retain all of the rights to it, and basically Activision is going to make out like bandits because millions of people are going to buy the game made by the guys who make Halo from the company that brings you Call of Duty. So now like, what, you <laughs> just, what you just said um, sort of opens the door to the question, what kind of game do you think they're going to be making? <clears throat> That's weird, because... I mean, there's there's no way you can say um, 
that there's truth to both sides of the story when it comes to Infinity War and Activision. Obviously the truth is probably somewhere a little bit in the middle in terms of uh, how much Infinity War was bullied into doing some of the things it did yeah. and you know what kinds of things were they were threatened with uh, from Activision to, to get what they wanted. Yeah. But in a way in a way this this Bungie and Activision almost fit together better to me. Because like me too. as you as you and I talked about when ODST came out, um, not only were we getting a little tired of the Halo formula, we were getting kind of tired of just Bungie in general. Right. And just the, the, the output that, that company has had, um, irrespective of their actual games, just sort of the the words they put out there. Sure. Uh, they're a cocky developer. They're full of cocky people. And, I mean, what better place to be for a cocky developer than, like, the world's number one publisher who is not afraid to remind everyone right. every second. Right. So, I mean, I guess... I guess this is the perfect fit for them. Obviously, it's the best deal they could have as a company. To be honest, I just don't think that... I just don't think that Bungie is that great of developer uh, at anything but FPSs. I think they understand what makes a good... I think they understand how to tell a good story through a first-person perspective. I think they mm-hmm. know how to make a good shooter. And But, I mean, I, I've, I've not played or seen footage of a game that they developed that wasn't an FPS that to me was anything interesting or good or, or anything worth noting really. Sure. That's just my opinion. Tons of people like Mythic and tons of people like I'm sure there are tons of people who like Oni. Um, I don't yeah. know any but the point sure. is I, I don't see them making anything besides an FPS and I think that even if it's not stated that that's the kind of game that they're supposed to make mm-hmm. I think that it's uh Maybe sort of a, a silent agreement between the two. I was going to say, it seems like one of those things where they could go into it going, all right, we're not going to do this. We're not just going to turn out another first-person shooter, you know, IP series. But then, you know, if that meeting hasn't already occurred, when it does, and they say, okay, what are we really going to do with this company? What are we going to do with this opportunity? It's going to be that, like, 800-pound grill in the room where it's like, well, you know, we do one thing really, really well. Uh-huh. And... We should probably do that one thing. Right. The interesting thing to think about is that uh, this makes me recognize the fact that at some point in the future, there will probably be a Halo game on the market not developed by Bungie alongside another Bungie-developed FPS. Oh, sure. uh, Which is going to be really interesting. You know, probably in the same way that there's going to probably be a Call of Duty game uh, put out by Activision. At the same time, there's going to be a game put out by Respawn. Yeah. Infinity Wards. I think, and I, th- you know what, I, I, I think that's going to happen a lot sooner than most people think. Yeah, you're you know, because right. people are speculating about, you know, when, when will these games be out? When will we see these fir- the first footage of these title, these titles that these companies will be putting out? I think it's going to happen a lot sooner than most people think. Yeah, you're probably right. Because there's just no way there. The, now that you have like a three-way run here, you've got Bungie, you've got. Bungie with Activision, you've got Respawn, which is essentially turning into Infinity Ward 2. Because, I mean, more leads are leaving every day. Right. And then you've got, you know, Sledgehammer and Treyarch doing the Call of Duty thing with Activision. And it's like... I don't know, it's almost weird because it's now it's like Activision is going to be competing with itself. Yeah, most definitely. Not one that one. they'll, not if, that they'll if schedule Bungie their releases like that. They're obviously not going to do it. Yeah. It's comparable. Or, yeah. 
fucking die here. But, I don't know, it's just really strange, and I don't... I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of Bungie, in general. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to put it past them to create a game that I'll be genuinely interested in through Activision, but I'm just, I don't know. Part of me is just like, I'm just kind of done. After me, Reach, this I'm kind of done. To me, this is really interesting because uh, I think we might finally get to see... Well, well, here's the thing. We're, we're going to see what Bungie's really capable of. Right. With a lot. I mean, it's not like Microsoft is a small company. Right. Um, but uh, Activision certainly has a lot of money and I think uh, a lot of cock behind their walk. And sure. I really think that we're going to see here what Bungie's capable of. Either if they're a shitty developer and, and they really can't make anything but Halo. We might see that. Or we might see a first-person shooter that exceeds what we expected or what would be expected of a new Halo game. Either way, I, I can't see this being bad for... I know this is something that's said a lot and it's starting to sound kind of cliche, but I don't see this as being bad for the consumer in any way. No, I don't either. Unless they make it... Well, then again, unless they make it an iterative um, series that requires subscription or a lot of DLC, which is very possible. It's just, it's weird to me, because it's one of those things where it's like, there's all these people who are against, uh, who are against Activision, like, on principle, because of their business practices. But, by the same token, I hear a lot of game journalists, and I'm only using them because they are, the, the, the opinions they espouse, you can say with certainty, are probably the opinions of a lot of people. Yeah. They represent a lot of people. And most most of what everyone's been saying is, man, I really wish they hadn't gone to Activision, but I'll probably play whatever they come up with. Right. And it's like, okay. Are you so why do you wish they didn't go to Activision? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it comes down to that. It's like, Activision is just viewed negatively with as like, you know, an empire. The evil empire. Yeah, they are, and, and... And a lot of shit they say is stupid. Since that shit has happened, I've really thought... I've Every once in a while, when that comes up with either Zampella and Respawn or whatever, and it kind of just re-kicks up the dust again in my head over that debacle. And it's like, am I... Am I it, does it really make sense to be at, mad at Activision for essentially just being an unscrupulous company to make money, which is what it exists for? It's like, how many things in my world... How many things exist in my world, either products or services or my life is a certain way in a positive manner because of what was probably behind the curtains a really shitty business move? Well, Ayn Rand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... I ultimately, ultimately I, I'm, I agree with what you're saying right now as far as video games go. Ultimately, right. I don't agree with that philosophy, though. I don't like it. I don't agree with it at all. I think much more could be achieved under a different system. It's just that that system is too complex for people to understand at the moment. Or was too complex for people to understand. Now, thanks to technology, I think people can... I think someone will be able to conceptualize something other than objectivism to lead us into the next century. So, anyway, Activision... I still view them as evil in a way. Just like I view all companies as somewhat evil. How many people suffered for you to play that game? Right. Modern Warfare 2. How much creativity was stifled? If we as humans are here on Earth to do nothing but create. That's what bothers me most, is that it's... How much creativity was stifled to get you to give them what money? What did they want to do as opposed to what was produced? Exactly. And 
all because of um, money, I guess. There you go. Because I know my attitude about money is like, it's a necess like, I'm in a society that runs on it. So for me to do anything, I need to have it. Sure. But by the same token, it's like if I spend a lot of money on a thing, and that thing breaks, or doesn't go my way, I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll have that money again. Money is just a subscription. It's like Netflix. Yeah. If yeah. Netflix started like losing as many movies on your instant queue, yeah, as dollars did their worth, yeah, yeah, people would just start unsubscribing from Netflix. And in the same way, people are just going to start unsubscribing from capitalism. They're going to be like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I'm paying this much every month to keep this car and house and this and this and this and this. It's not really, it's yeah. not really doing it for me anymore. Yeah. But I thought when this deal went down that. You remember how there was that talk a while ago that Call of Duty was going to be their next... Like, they wanted to turn Call of Duty into, like, um, a subscription-based service? Like and, a platform. Yeah, and turn it yeah. into something that was, like... I, I I thought they were implying that it was going to be something like World of Warcraft. So that they could have a first-person shooter game that was as popular and addictive and big as World of Warcraft. Mm. Like, trying to go with that. Yeah. Well, now that they lost Infinity Ward, or got rid of them, however you want to look at it, uh, I don't think that they're going to go ahead, and this is just a weird prediction based on a feeling, I don't think that they're going to use Call of Duty anymore as the vehicle for that subscription-based service. I think that now they can use whatever Bungie makes. And just do it from the ground up. Yeah, and just... Because I think, A, they don't want all the negativity that's getting uh, invested emotionally into the Call of Duty franchise because of this. Like, there's a certain amount of fallout within yeah. within the industry and without the industry yeah. of people saying, like, one, that's enough Call of Duty games. Two, I don't like what they did to the Infinity War guys. Three, the quality is going up and down because of Treyarch's games. Yeah. I just think that the Call of Duty game, the name Call of Duty is kind of, kind of losing its... Uh, Pedigree. Pedigree. There you go. Um, and I can also see them kind of ditching it as sort of uh, a sort of dick move to Infinity War, saying, like, we don't need what you've created. Yeah. You know, like, we do something else. And I think the only way that they could create something new that would get as much attention and possibly as much uh, fan backing is, is, you know, Bungie has, to me, a fan base comparable to Blizzard's just geared towards FPSs. Sure. You know what I mean? I would say that's that's really apt. So if they... In terms of their connections to the community and the fo- the community that's fostered around... Yeah, for sure, their right? services or their games. So if they made their own FPS that, that tried to sort of make itself an MMORPG FPS hybrid, like, I think they could really do that. Plus, they know how to make really good online systems. And, like, they know how to make good lobbies. They know how to make good matchmaking. Think about it. Their matchmaking technology is, like, some of the best. Like, I know Halo 3 isn't so good now compared to Modern Warfare's, but now you can combine the technology behind the Halo 3 matchmaking systems well, and the Modern Warfare planned, systems. What they've got planned for Reach looks... I mean, it's yeah, beyond even Modern Reach Warfare. looks like it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Does it look beyond Modern Warfare? Just in terms what are of, some of the specifics Just in terms it? of how they're organizing it, what they're doing, like, the... the I forget, how they, I forget the, the specific metals or stones, but it's, like, bronze, silver, gold, onks, uh-huh. and it's, like... Those are like tiers, and then within those tiers, there are levels that your match that your matchmaking occurs at. 
Okay. So like the on and they're like. So how do you earn gold? Percentage wise. It's like performance win loss. I think okay. it's based on like win loss, kill death ratio, stuff like that. Okay. And Onks is the top, and Onks will be like the top five percent of players. Okay. So like only those five percent will ever fight each other, unless you go into like some, I'm assuming some sort of non-ranked. I'm talking out of my ass, and by the time this podcast goes out, I'll be playing the beta. So this could all be wrong. Yeah, anyway. that's true. We'll, huh? we'll know next week. Uh, but. So like if they go like outside of a rank like a non-ranked match, it'll uh-huh. be like this person's onx, and you're like, wow, I I know that person's really good. Right. But it's sort of like it's a, it contain it's like another level of organization. Sure. So yeah. it's like you're gold and you're in the top twenty percentage of players, and then within that there will be various levels and things that attribute how to match make people. So it's like that's kind of cool. Someone in gold will never fight someone in bronze. It's also like a title thing. Right. So, so it's kind of it, and you can lose it prestigious. if you start performing terribly you can drop tiers so it's like oh because it's percentage based yeah oh that's interesting so someone in gold will never get match made up in a rank i'm assuming in a ranked match with someone in bronze so ideally you know you could be like i'm the top ranked in the bronze division so you're number one at something you're just not in the top division right like you're the best of the of the least skilled players which is still something to say i guess but that's really interesting so at the very least you're still within like if you're in, if you play casually, you'll be in like the casual bracket. That's really interesting. So like you'll only play people at that skill level, ideally. That's really interesting. Wow. And then of course there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're not talking about. Like we have tricks of like how we're monitoring and for like, a larger game, all you'd really need to do is create more tiers. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Especially since now there, I mean, I don't have numbers, so I couldn't tell you how many people are playing Halo Three on a daily basis. Uh huh. I'm sure it's less now since Modern Warfare and everything, but they're moving multi-platform. Do you think that a Do you think that a game like Halo, or do you think a game that's an FPS that's largely skill-based, could work on a level as mainstream as like World of Warcraft? Because to me, and I, I'm sure you'll that's agree, set up like an MMO. You mean? Well, I mean like just use Reach as matchmaking and prestige system. Yeah, if you can call it that. Do you think that, to me, basically what it is is that FPSs are a little bit more skill-based. Sure. And MMORPGs are more time-based, how much time you have to kill. It's more rote memorization. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that a game like, I don't know, Halo Online, if if it were to come out, could ever be as successful? Like, would it ever appeal to as many people? Oh, would it be on a level where it's like... Everyone would be playing. There it. are people who play Halo Online and have only like ever played that. Like, that's yeah. The only game they ever they've ever played in their like, life. Like World of Warcraft. Or I mean, just do you think that that many people would it would appeal to that many people? Um, being skill based. I, I don't. I don't think that would happen. I don't think that'll happen for at least another ten or fifteen years. Till more people are. Till you have more people in the competent. general working class population that have probably had some sort of. At the very least, peripheral experience with a game. I think I've watched it or played it a couple times. Because people use keyboard and mice every day, mm-hmm. even if they aren't gamers. People don't use 360 controllers every day. If they're but they're undoubtedly going to try it, right? So, so, if it gets to the point where, I mean, if Bungie's releasing things simultaneously, PS3, X, uh, 360, or whatever, Sony's, Microsoft's, and the PC console, whatever's out at the time. Because uh-huh. it's a 10 year deal. I don't think there'll be a, this. We'll be talking about the 360 in 10 years. Probably. Uh, <laughs> probably. Probably. Unless, unless this economy tanks and we just, like, they park games out for free because they can't do anything else. Unless America turns into Detroit. 
Delta City. Um, I guess so, and it would probably be the PC because it's probably the lowest barrier of entry in terms of controls. Do you think that uh, since Bungie's going to publish on all the systems, do you think that they're going to be able to interact with each other? I was just thinking about that. I would think if anybody can do it, if any company has the money, the bullying power to do it, right. it's Activision. Right. To be like, are you kidding me? No, you're going to cross like like, if, exactly. these games exactly. and you're going to do it. Like if Sony was like, you know, we don't want to integrate ourselves with... I don't even know if that's possible. Like, I don't know anything about server set up. It could be technologically impossible. It could be. I have no... I have no. But if it is... No idea. The one company that would get everyone to agree would be Activision. That would be really interesting. Could you imagine that? That would be really interesting. And you know what I mean? It's to the point where that would be a really big selling point of the game in and of itself. Yeah. Like, it would be a really big It'd deal. It'd be like a move... If I could play... It's like, it's it's a move... I don't know. I don't know. Is it a move back or is it a move forward? That's a move forward. Even to communicate with PCs. Like, if they make this game for the PC, which is possible if they're making it for the 360. Sure. Uh, if you could communicate PC versus 360. Well, you had that with Shadowrun, but that game is terrible. Yeah, that's true. That, is <laughs> that game is terrible. Um, so they tried it. They just tried it with the wrong game. Yeah. No, that would be pretty impressive because you, you've always had, like... Side side tangent, but I read something that was really fucking misinformed. Lo and behold, somebody's misinformed about games in the gaming industry. Uh, <laughs> what were they talking about? God, it was some it was some game I was reading about, and they go, "Oh, this it was like this game can only be an exclusive. It couldn't be one of those multi-platform releases like in, oh, it was about Halo, I think. Oh, it was about Halo because they're talking about Reach. And they're like, uh." <coughs> If Halo had not been talked up to be the flagship title for... If it hadn't been like that, oh my god, have you played this Halo game yeah. on the Xbox? Yeah. If it had been just another multi-platform release. And I I was like... I, I kind of read it and I go, okay, I, I guess I kind of see your logic there a little bit. The hype did help it. But then I thought, in 2001, they didn't have multi-platform releases. That, that sort of phenomenon didn't catch on until like the end of that generation, really. If you think about it... Like, no, you're right. In that generation, it was like when Soul Calibur hit all three systems, you were like, really? That's right. really no, weird. it was a big deal. And now it's like, yeah, everything's for everything. Yeah. But they all can't yeah. talk to each other. I mean, there were multi-platform releases for like the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, so I don't but, want anyone thinking that's what right, you're saying. Right, but, but not on the level today where it's like, yeah. oh, this game's coming out, and you're like, you don't even have to ask for what it's for. You're right. like, I probably have something this game will be Exactly. Out, so I yeah. don't even have to ask. Yeah, that sort of thing is pretty new. It is pretty new. And I know a lot of people are... To the average consumer, I know it. It that's it only. I don't know if it muddies the waters or it makes things easier, because then you get to like, well, which one's better? Right. You know, it's like, well, whereas before it's like, well, if you buy this system, you have these games. You buy this system, you have these games. And the occasionally you'll have the same game on both systems. But even in Super Nintendo and Genesis days, it was like, well, you can have a Genesis and get Championship Edition, or you can get a Super Nintendo and get Turbo Edition, or you can get a Genesis and have Blood. Uh, yeah, Super Nintendo and there and usually there was at least a ashes. market enough difference for you to go, I'm buying this one or that one. Right. And like if you look at NBA Jam on the Genesis and NBA Jam on the Super Nintendo, they might as well be two different games right, in terms yeah. of their graphical and sound differences. So, yeah. So I thought that was a really weird statement where it was like, just that, I don't know, just the, the mention of like multi-platform release and now talking about the potential of having Activision and Bungie teaming up and going... No, this game's going to work on all three major platforms, and you're going to be able to play everybody on everything. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I'm not against it, obviously, but I just I don't know how. 
I'd be interested to see how the rest of the industry reacts once that happens. If it happens. If it's possible. Might just be a move towards the one console future. That Dennis Dianax seems to espouse, or seems to... Uh, to human too. Incurred it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Digitally distributed on your <laughs> on all three streaming systems. console of choice. Yeah. Did you want to buy that revolver game? Yeah. Clean up. Is what this is. Yeah. It's news cleanup. <laughs> There's a game being put out on, uh, eventually, on Xbox Live's uh, indie service. Ouch. Yeah, so first of all, <laughs> like I say, like I preface every discussion about an indie game, Xbox Live's my, uh, industry, or I'm sorry, Xbox Live's XNA indie service is terrible mm-hmm. because you cannot play your games offline. Yeah. I recently found out the reasoning for that. Oh, and it's really? got to do with. ESRB fees. Okay. Um, I wish I had thought, <laughs> I wish I had read, or I wish I had remembered <laughs> exactly for, what this was doing for. But it has to do with the fact that um, for some reason they don't have to rate the titles. Okay. Um, so I guess is it... Boy, if, I wish I remembered. Because XNA games are peer-reviewed. Right. And I think because they're not selling them over uh, a service that... Uh, I guess I think it's the same way that flash games don't need to be ASRB rated are, because are they, they're are they looking at it in terms of like if if uh, if you have the service Xbox Live and you're paying for it or you I don't know I guess they figure if there's some kind of parental involvement there maybe if it's a game you downloaded you I know you're, you're I'm gonna sound like an idiot now, but if you're if you <laughs> if you're interested in the reason, I'm sure you could Google search. Now I want to look it up because yeah. I bet it's really I bet it's hollow at best. It, no, it is hollow. <laughs> like there's the, no, that's what that's what I'm saying. The uh, the explanation still doesn't really merit the fact that I can't play Jumpman right. when my Xbox Live isn't connected, especially when my X- Xbox won't uh, take my credit card for reasons unknown. Like today. yeah, that's also a problem. But um, anyway, there's a game coming out on the uh, indie service which. Despite after the 360 goes down, uh, you will not be able to play. You will not be able to play it. It is probably going to be worth playing if you're a fan of shmups, and it's called uh, Revolver 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the best way to describe it is it looks like Boxelios, <laughs> but a fully realized game. It looks um, like a game that barely exists. Yeah, most definitely. It's like ridiculously abstract 3D graphics mm-hmm. that are so hyper real. They are everything that I like about video games. Yeah. Um, if that sounds interesting to you, try to check it out. Seems like the kind of game that Bob would have to play and reboot to save a sector of the city. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not enough to convince you. I don't know what is. Exactly. Really. And uh, also, I just wanted to ask you: Did you uh, have you seen Bulletstorm? Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, I posted about it. I posted about it uh, in the thread for it on the Gaff. Um. And the the premise of it is is not enough to do anything at all for me, you know. It's like, oh, it's the guy that made Black. Oh, that game I didn't play. No, this Unhappy. is not that game. This is not that. Oh, no. this is Painkiller. That's Painkiller. Yeah. I keep getting. I. What's the Black game? Did this have a Black name? game's called Gun or Blast or Shoot. It has a, kind of a similar name, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like it's something really similar to like uh, like a KMFDM Gunstorm or Bullet album title. Angst. Right. Yeah, I can't Shot. remember what the fuck it's called. Uh, so I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's people can fly. People can fly. People yeah. who can fly, who did Painkiller, a game I only played the demo of, and I'm not sure why I ever did, ever ever played the full version of it. But um, did you ever play that game? Yeah. Painkiller. Uh, 
either way, so I guess I can. So I guess my my uh, in, my impressions from it were wrong to start with. But I probably would have had the same attitude. Yeah. Had someone said, "Oh, the guys that did Painkiller making another shooter," I'd be like, okay. But then I saw the screenshots of it, and I was like, okay, this looks vaguely interesting. Right. And then I saw the screenshots of it with point values. Right. And random like. Gag reflex plus fifty, headshot yeah. plus one hundred, popping out over their head, and I went, "Yes, this is a game I have to play already." Immediately, now, immediately, the, it's tickling the Borderlands. Itch right again. Now the thing about this game that's interesting to me is that it's not going to be Borderlands-ish in terms of, like you're not going to be leveling up. No, but uh, you're talking about the amount of information on screen, just in constantly being fed back information. Yeah, it's like intangible point rewards for doing certain things, and like vi- that visual. And then sort of attributing it to, you're not necessarily accruing the points uh, for leveling, but I guess it's for... Um, score. Well, it's for score, but someone was saying that in Painkiller, I only played the demo, but in Painkiller, there were there was an upgrade system in place that utilized a point system. Mm. So there, the assumption here is that this is sort of a continuation, like Painkiller meets the club. Kind of that's thing. why I brought it up. Because of the fucking club. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best games of this generation. Yeah. And nobody has given it credit. Everyone talks about it like it's some sort of fucking pariah. When it's mentioned on podcasts or in articles, it's met somebody with derision in the comments. that mentioned? I don't know. Somebody actually mentioned the club in reference to this game. But it was more like a, yeah, it's like that game, the club, that no one played. Well... Subtext, because it was terrible. Exactly. They probably did you know, like... Exactly. Here's, here's the, uh... Here's the good news. Yeah. The club is a great game and it's ten dollars on Amazon. <laughs> so if you have not played this game, you should really buy it. It's like another great game by Bazaar. I was gonna buy it today. I actually should have. I regret not purchasing it now. <laughs> but uh it's good to me it's good at least that this gameplay mechanic is going to be recognized. In a game whose setting and aesthetics I actually like more than the clubs. Bulletstorm? Yeah. That weird, like, plant thing. I don't know what, oh. what the aesthetic is. It looks really It looks cool. like a fucking choose-your-own-adventure book from the 80s. <laughs> like, visualized. Like, the plot is like a choose Have you read the plot? No, I've just been looking at The plot is so it. nonsensical, it looks like... It literally looks like you took a path through one of those choose-your-own-adventure stories and yeah. then wrote it down. Just made it up. It, it's literally like dice that they threw yeah. with verbs and It's like, you're in the city, and then plants attack, and then this, and then that. And then and you're a happened. pirate, and your partner's a robot, and he goes right. to the shore, <laughs> and you've got a whip. So part of it, um, what was also kind of interesting to me, and I, I have no idea what gives me this vibe, but just looking at the screenshots and sort of imagining how it will play and knowing how Painkiller played, one, you could say it'll be like Painkiller. Two, for some reason, I was like, this game's going to be like Time Splitters. I don't hmm. know why. I have no idea why. There's no real basis for it at like all. Like the feel just, of it? Just the weird sort of like, I guess maybe it's just the weird sort of like you just said. It evokes that feel of like, oh, you're a pirate and your partner's a robot ninja. Just like Motley. Yeah, it's like that's a Time Splitters thing where it's like, oh, by the way, you're a, a detective from the 70s with an afro and a giant revolver and you're fighting monkeys in a burning Would mark. be cool. All right. I did. I never disliked those games until I played games where you could jump. Yeah. But I guess they've already, I guess they've confirmed or said outright that it's not, it's a single player only game. Great. Perfect. Did you read that? Yeah. Yeah. They're like no, there's like no, there's like no we don't want to focus on multiplayer. There's no co-op. There's no multiplayer. The replay, the replay to me is in the score, and I was like, great, that's yeah. perfect. Set me up, sign me up. Like seriously, what else do I need? Yeah, a game that sounds like a choose-your-own-adventure book I would have read when I was like eight years old. Right. 
I'm just scoring surprised. mechanics. I'm surprised that they could like one that they're saying that too that they're just so like, yeah, why, why would we Perfect. do anything else? Perfect. Same reason Bioshock doesn't need a fucking multiplayer because <laughs> it's just gonna leave people with a bad taste in the game yeah. in general. That and I'm surprised that it's taken this long to have a game called Bulletstorm. This is true. Come on, man. What did book. you think of when you heard of Bonestorm? Bonestorm. Bonestorm. <laughs> For sure. Bonestorm, in fact, <laughs> in fact, it took me like five minutes to remember Bonestorm because I was convinced that Bulletstorm was, <laughs> was the game the same thing. that Bart was asking for. <laughs> At which point I was like, oh, it's the Ouroboros of right. culture. <laughs> it's like, oh, we finally hit that point where it's like, you know what? It's Bulletstorm. It's not. We're not even going to dress it up in like a name. So that game's good. And there's no video footage of it, but you can look online. It looks pretty interesting. I don't know when it's supposed to be out. Next year, probably. Not yeah. soon enough. I'm guessing. Too many first-person shooters, though. No, there isn't. No? Not one they're like that. Well, like not like that, but there's that, and Brink, and Reach, and I'm sure I'm leaving out a bunch of other stuff. Oh, and Black Ops. Is that what it's or called? The Call of Duty. Oh, that, that, that. Oh, no. Hey, fuck no, you. No, Call of Duty Black Did Ops. Did you see Black Ops... Uh, ad on game trailers? I saw the trailer. Jesus, the I have never seen a more fucking obstructive ad in my life on the internet. You you've never, you didn't see it? Oh, no, 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 no. Because game trailers was the, the oh, first you, place that had it. Oh, no. And you talking about so, like their 15 second thing that runs in front of everything? Yeah. No. It just so happened that I went on game trailers for it, something else. Within like 30 minutes of the trailer launching. Oh, yeah. So they had implemented this ad. And oh, interestingly geez. enough, the ad was still up the next day. So it wasn't like, uh, for 30 minutes, this is going to be really right. intrusive. Right. I go to game trailers. I can't click on anything for one second. I'm like, what? All <laughs> of a sudden, you hear <laughs> the sound of a marker, like a felt tip marker going uh -huh. across paper. And just like all the text on the game trailer site just yeah. gets like markered out like a confidential document. Weird. It's just like <laughs> until the whole screen just gets like swiped in black. And with pervasive like or not pervasive, with intrusive flash ads like that, typically there's like a close button. Right, and you're already you're like, where is it? And you're Yeah, you're already looking for it. But this one Did is so well hidden <laughs> that you, like seriously, your brain just does not recognize that it's there for like three times. Yeah. So, seriously, first of all, I would never play this game Period. to begin with. Already, right. Yeah. Uh, thanks to this ad, I will definitely never definitely play Definitely never play the game. And I will talk disparagingly of it until it comes out. Did From you, this point did out, you, not not that you need. I did to. watch the ad. I was say not that you need. And to. it was not even interesting. What? What? I don't know. How I does that make me interested in the game at all? It looks really generic, like beyond generic. It's not like I expected anything but that genericness. But yeah, it does I look generic. I guess. I don't know. I looked at it and I'm like, this looks like Operation Flashpoint, Dragons and Two. Like one of those right. just like middling. Mid-tier shooters, you're like, uh, all right. Conceptually, it's cool where the series is going, but like, I don't mind that idea. But what? Yeah, it doesn't look very interesting. Could just call it the Black Ops. Wondering if that. I wonder if, I'm wondering if that and the game that Sledgehammer is doing will be the final two with the Call. Of, like they'll finally after that they'll, they'll phase out the Call of Duty name. That's like the prediction I make. Like you were suggesting. We'll see in the future how right I am. Hopefully, we'll be around then to talk about it. Because, well, we do this for free, so we can't get fired from doing this podcast. This is true. But one of us might die. It's possible. We could both die. You haven't seen the weather in Arizona. Or we could both here. die. It's pretty strange. 
you want to find out more about us and you uh, didn't download this podcast from iTunes, go ahead and direct your browser to www.podcast1980x.com. If you want to email us, email us at podcast1980x at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast1980x. There it is. Spacehack.org. Interesting site. Check it out. Spacehack.org. Don't read Kotaku. Don't read the gaff. Check out Nier. Don't read gaff. Don't read gaff. I read gaff all the time now. If it's not on gaff, it's probably not worth my time. (laughs) True, but gaff is a sewer. I just look at it for news. So do I. Like, that's pretty much it. If I could if I could uh, invent a personality filter for Gaff, it would be perfect. Oh, it'd be If like I could create a personality filter for the fucking internet, it would be perfect. <laughs> Jesus, someone come out with that software. You can, like, parse out the threads of, like, news or about specific games. Parse out the fucking personality. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're a comedian. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my opinion on this news. Late to the party. You want this news? Did you you're re- going to have to deal with re- my really weird silence. Really weird side note thing. Did you see the thread that someone happened to post about um, late to the party Sonic 2006? No. Uh, it was actually, it, to be fair, it was specifically titled of late to the party Sonic dot 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 oh my god no. Sure. So they I did clicked, see that thread. So they clicked in it. I clicked in it, and I'm like, all right, let me just see, because I've never played. I played the demo, and I never played either bad. So like, let me see what this person thinks about this game, because I heard it's a train wreck. And within three, I, I don't know why the thread has gone past four posts, <laughs> because in the third post, someone just posted the Let's Play. Oh yeah, Sonic, yeah. and it's like just watch, like just watch that. That should be it. Like, yeah. And that the thread should be closed after that. Right. Because it's like there can't be any anything else that is, there is to be said about the game is of such like low to no quality right. that it might as well not be said at all. Lesser quality than the game. Right. It's which like just watch it, the Let's Play and exist. listen to the four guys joke about it for like six hours. Right. I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. It was just really weird. But yeah, if you could do that on Gaff. Get all that crap out. This is the end of our podcast. This is the end. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.